Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thank you for joining us for another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. We are so excited to have you joining us because today, not only do I have Joshua, not only do I have Merrick, but I gave the guys some homework. Today, we're going to go into some of the things we have learned about the 2022 Miami Dolphins and how that can maybe help us prepare for 2023. But before I get into all that, just a couple quick notes for you guys. If you haven't noticed already, we have adjusted how we produce episodes here on Another Dolphins Podcast. So each time an episode comes out, at the top of your feed each morning will be the full episode. That includes two different topics, but... Right underneath that episode, you will find a bonus clip with entirely unique information. And for the people who maybe only have a 10-minute commute, 11-minute commute, somewhere in that range, we have cut up all our segments into clips. You will find those at the bottom of the feed each time we produce an episode. Now, to wrap this up, I'm going to say, Josh, just to jinx us, that we, I think, for the rest of the offseason are looking at a Monday-Thursday publishing schedule. Now that I say that, I just screwed us. But... That is enough for me. It's hot. My face is already red. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Oh, you know, internet issues always rearing their ugly heads, uh, at least on my end over here. So trying our best to get this one started, get through a, a, an awesome uh, episode for all the listeners out there and and hopefully have minimal issues. And now that I've said that, I'm sure I've jinxed the rest of this recording. So duped. This entire podcast is Jake's. But yeah, Jake, thanks for rattling off all that new information about the podcast. I've been pretty good at Like you said, it's hot as hell. I'm watching after the three little kids. And um, I even got a chance to write an article up because there was a little bit of Dolphins news today with them signing uh, Cam Smith, the final rookie, heading into what? Rookie minicamp in 13 days, I think it is. Crazy. Crazy. We're already there. We're, we're down to the tracker of we're at the offensive lineman amount in the days till that uh, NFL season. I think we're at 70. I think we got the famous 69 coming up. And then, uh, you know, I think uh, Richie Incognito, he'd be 68 days left. So we have that to look forward to. So, guys, very exciting topic I have for you today. We only have 17 games to choose from. So please bear with us. But we thought we'd go back and look at some of the pivotal games, pivotal moments of the Miami Dolphins 2022 season and kind of see what we can learn, the habits of this team, maybe the habits that they're going to change uh, from last year. So, Merrick, what do you got for the apple of your eye? What, what was your play that really stood out or you wanted to hit on? Well, I also picked a game against the Buffalo Bills, but, we you know. Did. Wow. Not, not, trying to, not trying to be a downer like y'all, but I picked uh, a play from the week three victory at home against the Buffalo Bills. Bills fans might remember that as the game um, where the son tried to murder your entire uh, franchise over there. And, and you had to send reports into OSHA trying to uh, trying to get Hard Rock Stadium canceled, I guess. Uh, spoiler alert didn't work you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go down to Miami and, and play again in the sun this upcoming season a little bit later in the year though so maybe it worked a little bit but either way I picked uh, 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 the third and 22 deep ball completion from Tua to Jalen Waddle just over 11 and a half minutes to go in the contest Dolphins down 17-14 Tua hits Waddle deep down the middle of the field for about 45 46 yards again this was on third and 22 uh Mike McDaniel for as, as much as we kind of lambaste him for his short yardage play calling on third and one or fourth and one when he needed to go deep 
on those third down plays, even some fourth down plays, he had the right calls dialed up and, and he wasn't afraid to, uh, to let Tua sling it. So Tua throws the ball deep down the field, 45, 46 yards to Waddle, sets up a first and goal, uh, actually led to a Chase Edmonds rushing touchdown, which allowed the Dolphins to take the lead in the fourth quarter in that one. And they, na- they, they never gave it up. That, that was the play. You know, and this is week three, so you get the week two game against the Baltimore Ravens where they have that big comeback and two is throwing deep here, there, everywhere. But this was a close contest. This was a close contest against a divisional rival, and not just a divisional rival, but a team in your division that had been dominating the division for multiple years in a row, winning the division multiple years in a row. They were the juggernauts. They were the big dogs. And if the Dolphins wanted to prove that they belonged – in the top ranks of NFL teams, in the upper echelon of NFL teams, they needed to win a game against the Buffalo Bills, and they were able to do that. They were able to do that early in the 2022 season, and I felt like that just set the tone for the rest of the year. They played the Bills two more times. They lost both those games, but they were close games because they proved in week three that they can play with a team like that. They can play with the Bills like that, and if you can play with the Bills like that, then in my opinion, you can play with any team in the National Football League like that. Uh, and, you know, spoiler alert, again, once you get to the playoffs, everybody's pretty damn good. So if you can't play with teams like that, then why even get to the playoffs in the first place? So week three, 2022, third and 22, Tua to waddle deep. That's one of my highlight plays of the year. Um, and again, set the tone for the rest of the season in my eyes. So I think the Dolphins actually ranked first in the NFL in terms of playing uh, 21 personnel, a.k.a. two running backs, one tight end on the field. They did that 35% of their snaps. And that play, I love that play because if you fast forward to that other game against Buffalo, there's a similar play where Jalen Waddle he starts as a slot receiver, works his way up the field, and it's basically a long shot. That play, he split the two safeties deep further down the road in the next Buffalo game, and it's one safety deep. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think in both these plays, Alec Ingold is not getting the credit he deserves because what we're seeing happen against teams that that play the Miami Dolphins, you see they have two running backs on the field. One's a fullback. So you want to load up, right? You're not really going to get into your nickel defense. You're not going to get into your dime defense. But Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are two guys that can still dominate deep. These are two guys that both had over 20% usage rates in this offense. These guys averaged over 50% of the targets in this offense. So the fact we saw them not only do the party trick, the keg stand of a third and 22, but see it not be something that's lucky. See it be part of the evolution of the offense where you can go from Jalen Waddle making that catch down the middle of the field to having him break free for a touchdown later in Buffalo. I think that's super impressive. And that that's a great pick, Merrick. I completely agree with you that, you know, you see what they can do on offense and you see the situations where in the past third and 22 Tannehill is going to get sacked it's just he's going to get absolutely clobbered there's going to be a bunch of issues maybe a fumbled snap we saw that this offense is not only comfortable but confident in whatever situation they are in because they have a play caller who knows what to do Josh what do you think yeah, I mean, that thing was uh, the, probably the most perfect deep ball we've seen in years, right? And it's just so funny how uh, the narrative has switched. You know, a couple of years ago, it was Ken Tua throw the deep ball. Tua can't do this. Tua can't do that. I mean, this season, he was one of the best, if not the best in the NFL at completing those deep balls. So I want to see Mike McDaniel's offense kind of take things back a little bit, more so Tua, you know, checking down a little bit more this year, finding those 
easier targets underneath, but this was a great play. This was, uh, again, picture perfect. I don't think you could have, you know, he could not have walked the ball down the field and handed it to Jalen Waddle any better than he did. So um, we were all hyped when we saw that go down because, as we'll talk about later, there were some big-time throws in that Baltimore game. But a lot of those deep balls, you know, Tyreek Hill was running wide open. You know, he had to stop a little bit. This was perfectly right on target, hit Jalen Waddle in stride. And I know we all remember just, you know, losing our minds when that play happened. So a uh, great pick. Uh, America and yeah, they proved they could beat Buffalo week three and that has set the tone. And now, you know, they are a legit contender in the AFC East and Buffalo's well aware of that. We're going to ride the lightning here and keep it the offense. And it, guys, I love that. We all pick Buffalo games. I think that it, when you're facing a divisional rival, like we saw the reaction of the Buffalo coaches up in the play booth after the game was over, when you're facing a divisional rival, it, it can be September, it can be November. And all of a sudden it's a playoff game, right? Because you have two chances against these divisional rivals and these games mean a bunch. So that's why I picked the Buffalo Saturday showdown, the snow game, the ice game, whatever you want to call it. This drive started with a solid Raheem Mostert kick return followed by a lot of running plays to the right side of the line. A lot of Robert Hunt, a lot of Brandon Snell. Mostert had a very nice uh, – we, we complain that Tua doesn't dump the ball off enough now, weirdly, but he had a great dump off to Mostert who sidestepped uh, uh, Milano for a great first down. And what I started to realize is how important Mostert is and, and how strong he can be in this offense. There was a minute five left in the first quarter. The Dolphins were trailing seven to three. Mostert down that right side again, continuing that idea of pounding the rock to the right side after what seemed like an entire season where we were like, all right, it's all to Toronto Armstead side. You're doing that stretch run behind Armstead, but the Dolphins got away with that. We saw the growth in the offense. So I picked that 67 yard run down the right side uh, where it seemed like Raheem Mostert got about five, six yards before he was even touched on that play. Tyreek Hill started in motion coming across the line. I think this is so important because the Dolphins used motion more than any other team in the NFL last year. And it's kind of a hat in a hat because I want you to consider the fact that the Dolphins played less man defense. They faced less man defense than any other team in the league. So they know what they're going up against. You want to get those zones. You want to contain Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and what they can do. That's what makes this outside zone so powerful, especially late in the season, because the Dolphins have such a strong success rate you wonder, you know, if you're a defense, do you have your nickel and dime packages trying to contain Waddle or Tyreek? Or do you let the Dolphins just kind of pound the rock a little bit and let Raheem Mostert get into these types of situations? I just thought this was a great play because, again, I think it shows the scenarios where Alec Ingold can be such a VIP to this offense because you can be a spread out offense. You can attack downfield, but then all of a sudden you can line up in the eye and just run behind. We saw it, Robert Hunt four or five straight plays and get first down at the first down. So to me, I saw that I was very impressed, not specifically just with that run, just the development of the offense and looking ahead to 2023. I'm confident that uh, we've had what seven, eight months to recover from the season. Obviously coaches are watching what the dolphins are doing and trying to adjust seeing things like this makes me incredibly comfortable with what the dolphins can do and how Mike, Mike how Mike McDaniel continued to make adjustment on top of adjustment and top of adjustment. And then we got a whole princess bride situation going on. For my offensive one, I'm going to, you know, do our new Arizona game, right? For so many years, we sat here and talked about what Tua did against like the Arizona that. Cardinals. This is our new Arizona game, and it is against the Baltimore Ravens. 
42-38 win. Tyree Kill had touchdowns of 48 and 60 yards, proving how difficult this offense was to defend. My favorite play maybe was that Kasicki touchdown in the back of the end zone where Tua put that thing up at the crossbar. He went up and grabbed that thing, plucked it out of thin air. But your homework assignment was what was the biggest play and the biggest offensive play for me this season had to be a, the touchdown pass to Jalen Waddle with 14 seconds left in regulation, capping off a 68-yard drive and putting the cherry on top of Miami's 24-point fourth-quarter comeback. Tua finished the game 36 of 50 for 469 yards, six nice. touchdowns, two interceptions. But most of all, and I hate saying this, but he showed the world that he is him, right? I mean, he showed the world that he is uh, you know, upper echelon quarterback and could compete with some of these guys. We saw him compete toe-to-toe with Lamar Jackson. You saw him the next week against Josh Allen. This He did things that we haven't seen or even dreamed of since Dan Marino hung up the cleat. So uh, for me, there may be more impressive plays throughout the game, but none meant more to the Dolphins and honestly this fan base because even the biggest Tua haters, you know, after that touchdown happened, were tweeting that the Dolphins found their quarterback. Tua is – him again, you know, Uno. Um, and to me, it was just a perfect play. I mean, to felt the pressure, rolled out a little bit, and then threw one to Jalen Waddle, who nearly ran into Sherfield at the start of that play, did a little whip route, got open in the end zone, and best of all, he went up there and plucked that thing out of the air with his hands like Randy Moss. So everything about that play um, to me was honestly what – instills faith into us right heading into this year there are other moments throughout the season where Tua look great but just having a 469 yard game six touchdowns doing what he did in the fourth quarter with his back against the wall and then finding Jalen Waddle with 14 seconds left in the game um, it was probably one of the best moments that we've had as Dolphin fans and that's so sad to say but that was my moment on offense that was the biggest play for me and I'm excited to see what goes from here because Tua Tungvaloa honestly if he can stay healthy in that game throughout the season, he looked like one of the better quarterbacks in football. So that was my play. What are your guys' thoughts? So you can kind of understand why Trent Sherfield and Jalen Waddle were running in, into each other near the start of the play. It goes back to the idea that teams love to play zone against the Dolphins because you simply cannot keep up with that speed. You think about all the motions they do. You think about the fact that you have Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, two guys that had at least 1,400 receiving yards. And another thing that I don't think we're talking enough about is Miami left a lot of points in the field on the red zone last year. The fact Jalen Waddle was able to go up and get that, that's huge. I think I saw a set that Tua completed 50% of his uh, passes in the red zone, and I think that was actually near the top of the league. But keep in mind, the Buffalo game I was talking about, Trent Sherfield dropped a touchdown in the end zone on third down, settled for a field goal. Chase Edmonds, I think, dropped two touchdowns on the same drive. Tyree dropped a uh, touchdown in the end zone, too. So, the Dolphins have this very healthy process in terms of knowing how to get guys open, and it's just kind of up to them to execute the plays. Now, I'm not sitting here and have Tyreek's uh, face on a dartboard because he dropped one ball, but it's just a little added context to the idea of that was a very tough play. Jalen Waddle went above and beyond, but I do like how this Miami Dolphins offense operates where there are going to be a lot of situations where whether Mike Kosicki has to go up 15 yards and, and catch something in the air or whatever it may be, there's going to be someone open and Tua's done a great job at recognizing where that's going to be, or at least where that chance is going to be. Yeah. I like it because we get to play Baltimore again this year. And the last couple of times the Dolphins have played the Ravens. Uh, we've left Ravens fans with sour taste in their mouth. So uh, maybe, uh, maybe we can take a little of that 2022 magic against the Ravens and, and, you know, put it into 2023 as well and, and carry it to another victory for our Miami Dolphins.
just don't accidentally grab that 2019 magic. That that's like that's whoa, like, no, 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 no. We owed him. We owed him a couple, so we've we put it on him the last couple seasons. So that is it. We have three offensive plays in the books. Let us know what you guys think. Is there anything we missed? I know it's hard. There's 17 games here, but it's important to keep in mind. Everything is kind of the same. There are a few foundations to each offense, but how do they build off them? How does it become the I know what you know, what you think you know that I know type thing? And it's been real healthy to kind of see that Miami Dolphins offense develop over the year. Switching over to the defensive side, Joshua, I haven't heard your voice in so long. I'd love for you to get us started here. Otherwise, I'll put myself on the spot. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, I told you I kind of felt like the kid that, you know, didn't read the book and had his book report coming up and, you know, wasn't very prepared. I was sitting here deciding whether I should do Bradley Chubb versus Laramie Tunsil. That was a really nice performance there. Um, but I had to look deep into the season. You told you gave me the homework assignment, find a late game. And I went with the Miami Dolphins loss, 34-31 loss to the Buffalo Bills on Super Wild Card Weekend. But instead of just picking one play to go through, I was going to cop out and pick my favorite player on the roster, Jalen Phillips. And Jalen Phillips was all over the field in this game. I did a cut up and one of the coolest things, you know, that can happen on Twitter is Jalen Phillips retweeted it. So nine total tackles, two for loss, seven quarterback pressures, three quarterback hits and a half sack. He was abusing Spencer Brown all day long and basically lived in Buffalo's backfield. Um, Bradley Chubb had a forced fumble earlier in that game that I sat here and, you know, debated whether or not I should go with. I don't know if you can hear that Doc McStuffins toy. Um, but uh, yeah, so this to me was um, just an overall great performance from Jalen Phillips, a budding superstar on this defense and a guy who, you know, throughout his career, you needed to see him play late into the year and stay healthy and continue to stack one game on top of another when the Dolphins needed it most. Yes, their defense gave up 34 points, but Jalen Phillips was all over the backfield causing havoc for Josh Allen. So not a specific play per se, but I just had to go there with Jalen Phillips again. Great against the run in that game. Great at rushing the passer. Did a little bit of everything. That was my performance. That was my homework assignment. And sorry about the Doc McStuffins. Merrick, isn't it so weird that the defense gave up 34 points? And I think we can all, as Dolphin fans, sit here and say the defense is what kept them in a game where they lost 34 to 39 in some wacky wild universe. Yeah, you know. 34 points, you're not going to write home about that. that that's, that's quite a few points to give up, but you are playing the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Uh, that's a good offense over there. Uh, but you're right, defense had uh, uh, some solid plays in that one. You're, you're looking at the, the, the fumble recovery for a touchdown, I, I believe, to start the second half there. That was just a phenomenal play. I think that's where a lot of us Dolphins fans started, you know, living in that, that world of hope. Like, uh, oh, man, I wonder – I wonder if we can do this. I wonder if we can we can pull off a miracle here and and get the upset here in Wild Card Weekend, win our first playoff game in over 20 years. Alas, it was not to be. But yeah, that's a, actually a really good observation, Jake. That defense gave up 34 points, and and uh, you know that's not great. But they also uh, contributed on the offensive side, scoring some points themselves. So the defense giveth, defense taketh away. And the cool thing about. Uh... You know, Jalen Phillips, Josh, I'm sure you saw this too. The motor is absolutely bananas on this guy. It seems like every play he's fighting through two guys to stay at the quarterback. And I'm curious to get your thoughts about watching that game because Josh Allen is such a big physical quarterback where dudes just bounce off of him. And that includes Jalen Phillips. So when you saw that picture of his thighs this offseason, Josh, how do you incorporate that into your analysis and projection going into this year? 
Yeah, he looks even more like Machamp. I'm going to set every chance I get. But I mean, he is a guy that is just a behemoth. And I don't know if you guys remember, but prior to that game, he was shirt off, you know, working out and doing all sorts of things in the snow. So, or maybe that was the game earlier in the year. I'm sorry. I get those two mixed up. But either way, man, the fact that he was just living in that backfield, had no issues bringing down Josh Allen, was relentless. You know, he never gives up on a play. Um, that's something the Dolphins need moving forward. We put his jersey in the ring of honor many, many years ago, Jake. I think as soon as he was drafted, um, you know, he just continues to build on those performances. And the fact that he's still hungry, still realized that he can get better, I'm excited for the future. So when you look at what Jalen Phillips is, we needed that Jason Taylor-type pass rusher, a Cam Wake. This is our new guy now. He's our budding superstar. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the future. I will actually jump in here, and I'm going to start with a question. Uh, guys, are we underestimating Cater Kohu? I really think that the Dolphins just re-signed Cam Smith. You got Nick Needham coming back. You got Trill Williams coming up. Guys, I think Cater Kohu might be – Josh, I'm going to say he might be him. All right, because I'm going back to that Buffalo game in the snow. There was a very weird, unique play where the Buffalo Bills tried to beat the Dolphins. Stephon Diggs was in motion in the backfield. He was setting up for a screen on a play. Uh, Kohu was lined up in the slot and shoved his guy five yards behind the line of scrimmage, opening up, opening up a hole for Stephon Diggs to have three negative three yards on the play. Very impressive. It's one of those situations where you just expect Stephon Diggs being that all-pro wide receiver to be the guy. The fact that Kohu could burst open that play, be that guy to let someone else make the tackle was huge. The following play. What is it now? We're looking at second and 13. Coverage down the field is fantastic. Kohu's sitting in his zone at the second level there. Uh, Josh Allen decides to dump it off to Devin Singletary. Kohu comes up, makes a fantastic tackle just after a one-yard game. That's two straight plays where Kohu was responsible for a total of negative two yards. That right there is so game-changing, so impactful, but it's not as impactful than on third and what? 18 after a false start by the Bills, Josh Allen completes a ball right over the middle to Gabe Davis. He's surrounded by five guys, but he still got the first down. So to me, I kind of look at these situations where Josh Boyer's offense was fantastic when everything was going right, when they could blitz, when they could get that one guy running free, when you have these DBs who understand their assignments. That being said, you still give Josh Allen enough time in a situation like Josh Boyer operated in, he's going to find that guy. So to me, it showed the great, great, okay, what are we missing from the Dolphins? And I think that's where Vic Fangio can play a huge difference because the Dolphins in this drive, in this sequence specifically, it wasn't the blitzes. It wasn't these unique pressures that got uh, Buffalo flustered. It was just great, you know, IQ plays from Kohu and the defense understanding what the offense is trying to do. I love that we're still talking about the Bills because, I mean, here I am about ready to talk about my defensive uh, plays here. And I'm also going to talk about the Buffalo Bills. We got Bills on the brain, and for good reason. Bills. We're coming for that division title in 2023. Um, you know, that's kind of the, the the hot, trendy topic on, on Twitter these days is uh, can the Dolphins overtake the Bills for the division? And apparently we think so, because we're going to bring up these these Bills games even more. So I'm actually going to go right back to that week three game, talking about my stuff here. Uh, and it's not any one play, but it's just it's the last couple Bills offensive series where the Dolphins needed stops to preserve the victory. They were up 21-17. Bills got the ball. They were driving down the field. First and goal. They stop them on first down. They stop them on second down. We get to third and goal. Josh Allen tries for a ball in the back of the end zone. Xavier Howard 
makes the pass breakup. Probably should have been intercepted, but he, he, he got his hands on it, knocked the ball down. Bills go for it on fourth and goal. Allen, this is the classic play. Josh likes to put it on Twitter all the time. When Josh Allen skips a ball in the flat, I think he was trying to get it to Stephon Diggs, couldn't quite get it out there. Josh loves to do it. And you know what? These, those Bills fans deserve that after talking about Tua's arm strength for all this time and then, and then Tua lighting him up a couple times uh, last season. But then we get the classic butt punt, uh, which Josh also likes to put out on Twitter. This is a very gifable, gifable game for Joshua Houts. Give him a follow on Twitter at Houts. Uh, anyways, you, you get the butt punt, which results in a safety. So now it's 21-19. That's actually really important in, in the scope of that game because the Bills get the ball back only down two points, which means a field goal wins the game for the Bills. And the Bills do what the Bills do. They start driving down the field over and over and over. Little think, little dunk. Get, getting into field goal range. They end up getting, I believe it was a holding penalty. So so now they, they lose 10 yards. Uh, and they have to – they have no timeouts left. They have to get the ball into field goal range. Josh Allen drops back, ends up dumping the ball off to Isaiah McKenzie, who tries to run upfield but then also get out of bounds so that it can set up for the field goal. But Javon Holland and Melvin Ingram, they wrap them up. They tackle them inbounds. That clock keeps moving, and Allen isn't able to get the next snap off in time. And the Dolphins win the game 21-19. All of us survived the mini heart attacks that we were suffering as the bills were driving down the field were long time suffering Dolphins fans. Don't tell me you guys weren't going, Oh, here we go again. Bills drive the field, kick the field goal. And we get an almost victory. Doesn't it feel like something was a little bit missing there, Josh? I, I want to ask you because it was such a great win. It was such a big win for the Dolphins. But as Merrick mentioned, there was an opportunity there for the Bills. So I, I kind of like seeing this because you saw how everything has to go right for that bend and bro- don't, break defense to really operate so josh i'm curious to hear what you think in terms of the situation the dolphins were in in that game specifically compared to what we might see out of vic fangio and how this defense might approach a situation like that compared to maybe a few exotic blitzes and and you know that last second throw to stefan Diggs. uh all things considered i mean he was open he was ready to catch that and rip our hearts out so i i, I do think we have to make note of that if we're going to talk about that play yeah i think it just goes back to how conservative josh boyer was at times right So I hope to see Vic Fangio, you know, probably keep the pedal on the metal in those situations. But you're right. I mean, it goes back to just how perfect everything had to be for the Dolphins to come away with that victory. I mean, I still thank God every day that that ball skipped into the dirt, right? Because I can use that video. I can post that when Josh Allen's on the cover of Madden and make jokes about how they need to make sure that's in this year's game because um, it just shouldn't have happened. I mean, Josh Allen would normally complete that pass. I mean, in those situations, like Merrick said, the Bills normally drive downfield. You know, they get out of bounds. They continue moving the clock, and they end up finding a way to win that game. So, um, for me, I just hope that with the personnel now that Vic Fangio has, with how good his defenses are, um, this Dolphins team can counter and not put themselves in some of those situations where you are relying on Josh Allen to skip a rock late in the game or, you know, a guy not to run out of bounds and forget what the cl- play clock's saying. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my answer to that. And I just think that Vic Fangio, Jalen, Jalen Ramsey, Jalen Phillips, like we mentioned, going into another year, getting bigger, better, Bradley Chubb healthy. They have so many pieces that they should be able to go head-to-head with the Buffalo Bills. And I think the Bills fans, you know, that a lot of them aren't too uh, – they really don't care that they lost Leslie Frazier this year. And I think that's going to come back to bite them more than even they know. So um, that's me putting a little jinx and sprinkling that in there. So, yeah, man, I, I hope to see a Dolphins team that's ruthless from the first first play to the last play. 
considering that depth in the secondary too is a little bananas. Keon Crossan was out there. Justin Bethel was out there. I don't think these guys will see much of playing time, especially at the position of cornerback for the Dolphins. We already hear someone like Trill Williams being shuffled into the secondary in terms of being a safety instead of a cornerback going into next season. But generally speaking, I just think it was so risky at times the way this defense was working. There was a play in that Buffalo game in Buffalo uh, during the regular season where McDaniel started freaking out at Josh Boyle, Josh Boyer because the Bills were driving and then there was like a 12-man on the field penalty against the Dolphins. It's just those little things where uh, you don't need the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league to fix those things. But I think it's just as helpful to know that these guys are going to be in the right situation to get the job done when it is needed most for another dolphins podcast. Gentlemen, it was so great to sit around with you guys. Talk some dolphins football, Josh. I already cursed us once by saying, I think I know what our schedule is for the rest of the uh, off season. So I'm going to take it one step farther. The next episode in this feed should be a nursery book club so stay tuned for that but until next time for another dolphin podcast fins up fins up fins up, fins up.